about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Welcome to episode 71 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast. My name is Jeff Boone. I'm an A3 blue belt, three stripes. Phil Kors, A2 blue belt, two stripes. Big news, Philly. What is it? Gordon Ryan. Go on. You know, he's back to being on the competition circuit in 2020, if those of you who haven't heard that. This is Brett Favre all over again. It is. It really is. <laughs> uh... But he also just signed a five-match deal with Third Coast Grappling for $100,000. Thoughts? It's going to be like $20,000 a minute. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good hourly rate that he's going to get. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exciting. Um, I was reading some of the comments on the Fanatics group about when they were talking about this, about how there's Gordon Ryan haters. And I do understand that his social media presence is designed to annoy people and get reactions sure. and things like that. But I mean, I think it's cool. He goes in that group. He answers questions. Well, um, Gary Tonin did it too. The other day he was answering on uh, kind of like a takedown thing. Somebody thought it was a guillotine defense and he went into how it was really off more of a Russian tie and he was baiting them to try it. So it was cool, you know, but those guys uh, kind of go to help out and, answer Facebook questions basically, which is pretty neat. Um, but anyway, he's seems to be a pretty nice guy outside of his persona on the, uh, the Instagram comments when he's just talking trash. But anyway, this should hopefully kind of make it more popular. I think so too. And, um, does this mean that he can't have matches in other I doubt it. Organization. I, I mean, I, I don't, don't think wanna, he would do that. I don't, I don't think so either. But I guess just, I guess that they just find, signed him to five matches and he can do other matches. I, I suppose. Do you have any idea what they get paid for a seminar? Like two, three? Uh, well, if so, I took that Gordon Ryan leg lock seminar down at Gibson Saul's place in Columbia, South Carolina. Man, that was years ago. That was like two, two years ago. And there was probably. Does it matter how many people show up? I would assume you got. Yeah, I would oh assume yeah, it's yeah. a flat rate. No, no, no. It's not. It's not a flat rate. They oh. they get. So it was. It was. There's probably 200 people on the mat there, and it was 90 dollars for the seminar. So I mean, quick math, eighteen thousand um, dollars, and I'm sure that like the gym probably gets 20 percent, which is probably pretty customary. I think. So thirty six hundred dollars, um, for that that quick math is for Doug Schluter because he loves it when I do math. Um, he's gonna, but, he's gonna check. <laughs> he is gonna, <laughs> I think it's right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that I think that that's you know, so fourteen thousand four hundred dollars is probably what he's taken out of that. Which I mean, that's it's great for. I mean, he was there four hours. I mean, he after the you yeah, know, I would have assumed they get they get. 
paid a flat rate to come in and then the gym just keeps the uh the difference i guess had it back well uh, if if somebody knows let us know but i i don't think that's the case i think that they i think that they get paid and then the gym owner gets a percentage of that payment and i think it's usually around 20 percent oh okay of course i you know i make stuff up all the time so i might be completely wrong on this but but so what um i don't sure remember why i was us. asking but I would assume he wouldn't lock into not being able to work and ADCC and all those other giant tournaments that he'd probably still want to do. I, so I would think that he can do all the IBJJ. Well, he doesn't really do IBJJF, uh, but all the ADCC and all the, um, although he did answer questions before and they said, why aren't you doing it? And he said, I've already won it and they're not going to pay me. So I kind of get that. I mean, if you're the best, like why wouldn't you try to do whatever's just going to pay you the most? Well, ADCC, I think the super fights are $20,000 in the super fight to the winner. Yeah, but so it wasn't ADCC. It was another, it was a recent one. It was whatever one you, I believe, that you were talking about, Nikki. The, ta- the tag team? No, uh, no. Submission Underground? No, it just happened. And he, I made the comment that he did on Instagram where he said, he's everybody who won, he's already beat. Kasai so, Pro. So, yeah. he, why, and they're not going to pay. So I, he's going to make more money doing a seminar, I think, is kind of what his mm-hmm. point was. Sure. Which I guess makes sense to me because you're only going to be the best in the world in your prime for a window. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean. Um, it's almost like really high risk for him to do something that doesn't pay well. And if he loses, it destroys a lot of what he's got going on right now. So. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe you know, whenever he tore his LCL in, I think it was, was it Kasai that he tore that in? I think it was, um, um, but I think that, you know, him being off the mats for close to six months before ADCC, and that was like four months before ADCC and not knowing if he was going to be able to do ADCC, I think that probably gave him a a different perspective on things. Hmm. Well, yeah. So I also um, saw a clip recently of him in, I think it was Craig Jones and, it was an EBA, EBI, I believe, overtime situation, and Craig like broke his arm, but he got out. Yeah, you know. So then he, he won, I'm yeah. assuming that was yeah. finals. Um, it was, it was, and and Gordon Ryan had submitted everyone, so each submission was five thousand uh-huh. dollars. So during the during the um, regular, so he had like three matches. I think that's fifteen thousand dollars extra on top of what he already wins yeah. for the. So I would, I would assume if you're going to do a competition and he's ready to just let him break an arm before losing, that that would need to require more money. I, I, did Craig? I don't think Craig Jones broke his arm. I thought he said he did. Did he? I thought Gordon said he, he broke it in the oh, comments. Well, I don't yeah. know. Okay. Or it was. It yeah, was not good. It was good. bad. It was, it was really good. bad. Yeah, I'm 99 sure. It was well, the comment read like something broke. Whether I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the Gordon Ryan update. We got to do that weekly or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, people are coming here and they're demanding the information. That's the <laughs> latest take on Gordon Ryan. So. Hot takes. <laughs> Gordon Ryan hot takes. Um, so, so we were talking a little bit earlier and, um, and we've talked about this before, but, but just, it, it was funny the other day. Was it the hook sweep? That, yes. That you were talking about. And you looked at me uh, whenever we broke from, from John doing the instructional, and you were like, has he ever said to turn the head whenever you're 
doing this like hook sweep over your shoulder. to look over your shoulder. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, every time. And, you know, I just, I thought that was hilarious because it just reiterates the point that we brought up before. And that is, you're not going to know the details to a movement or a move until you're ready to hear those details. And so besides that one, what was the last one? Do you remember the last one before the hook sweep that, that, that you did that? No, that one was that one was frustrating to hear though because I feel like I've tried similar things but not looking over like kind of kind of similar ideas like the bridge when you look over your shoulder mm-hmm. um to just kind of create that extra torque on the on the movement. It made it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's frustrating and awesome at the same time. It really is. It really yeah. is. But it, it's just to say that, you know, if any of the listeners Although, are out there. What? Shout out to Yona because she was she was saying, because um, I remember the other light bulb that she just had when she was like uh, trying to defend the the posture break inside the guard and, and break the grip off. And she's like, when I break the grip off, they just pull me down. So she just recently learned about engaging the hips. Yeah, and ah, I learned that at John yeah. Shells, you know, yes, and that's right. I try to explain that as you just hump your partner. And, uh, so I, I do remember that light bulb moment for me as the same time that she just picked that one up. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Shout out to John Shell and also shout out to the Wolf Queen, Samantha Seth for winning the Adam Waite title, uh, last week, I think last weekend. Yeah. Last Friday. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to her. Um, but yeah, that, you know, and here's, so I just thought of this, my, the last one, cause John came over, I was breaking the grips. We, it was advanced class, uh, and was breaking that, that gi grip. And I was, um, doubling my hand over. In other words, I was, I was overlapping my hands and pulling off. And he said, you know, if you, if you do it that way, they can, they can bend the wrist and, and this is breaking a lapel grip, right? Whenever you're in guard and, and you're the one on top. And, um, and he said, you really want to grab the back of the hand with one hand and then put your other hand down below it. And that won't allow them to bend the wrist and it's much easier to break the grip. And man, was he right? I mean, it was incredible how much easier it was when you do things right. Mm-hmm. Just detail I didn't know. Yeah. I, I don't think he's ever said that before, though. I've never heard him. I've never heard him going to do that on like <laughs> pranks. I'm sure he says it every time. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway. Sometimes those are, like that meme is real when it's welded on and you're like, he's got the, the torch on it to cut it off. You can't break the grip. It's like, nah, it's, I pull two times. All right, that grip's staying there. Let's move on Let's and move see on. how we can work around it. So <laughs> that is a good one. That one's not going anywhere. Speaking of memes, took a little heat for reusing a meme on an open map post. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts, Phil? Lazy. It's not lazy. It's my it's favorite lazy. meme. It's Rick and Morty, man. Yeah. It's Rick and Morty. Lazy. It's not lazy. You should be able to reuse memes that you, you really should be like. happy somebody even remembered your meme. Um, I'm pretty sure people remember all the memes I'm I post. Pretty sure they disappear <laughs> four seconds after you scroll by them. <laughs> Maybe. Um, uh, uh, so, so I want to talk about um, 
a post. I don't, I don't remember which, maybe it was blue belt mafia. I don't know which form it was in. Doesn't really matter. But, but some people were saying, you know, I've got a spazzy white belt. How do I deal with them? You know, to not get hurt and, and all this. And, you know, there was a lot of comments on there about, about, yes, yeah, smash them and this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's your thoughts on that, Phil? I just use my muscles and my size, lay down the law. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I saw you made a comment and I think I've had similar thoughts in, in the past. And, uh, I guess I think a lot of times people don't know they're doing it. And that's why like the spazzy white belt. Yeah. They don't know that they're spazzing. And that's why I think that's very common. Like initial reaction as you're learning is, you know, if you, you just, you're ignorant and, John has said it before where he's, he's more comfortable and confident in the worst position than you will be in the best position just because he's been there so much. And if you haven't been there before and you don't know, and it's, it seems like the right thing to do is push somebody off you. Like that's what you want to happen. But you know, it's, if you've been training for two or three years and you understand how to deal with those reactions it's not the other person's fault that they don't know you know and they're here trying to learn so i think the i think the the smash them kind of thing response could be could be wrong you know because it's not it's not it's not helping them learn that force isn't the answer you know like you do have to use the force you have to use the pressure properly. Um, and like, sometimes I'll, especially with a new person, if they're, if they're pretty big, I have to try to play with how, how much to use, you know, like I'll try to go light or whatever. And if they just throw me right off, it's like, that wasn't enough. So like, I'd have to try to use more control and I'm not good enough to just know what that is all the time. I'm still learning, you know, but I try to start at one and work up, you know, I don't, I don't, try to start at 10 and then, and then back down because like if I got on top of somebody and they just, they're a big guy and they just throw me off to the side. Cause I was, I was kind of lazy starting out. I'm more confident that I can get back on top eventually and then dial up a little bit and then maintain it, you know, versus starting smashing on the floor. They can never get out. They can never move. They don't learn anything. And their whole experience is like, Oh, that guy's strong and just smash me into the floor, that's what I need to do, you know? Yeah, two things from my point of view. And the first thing is what you already pointed out, and that is they don't they don't know what they don't know yet. So, you know, it's always better to explain to them, hey, you know, you can calm down or just say breathe, you know, um, explain to them why. But the other thing that I want to point out is that, it's really good practice whenever you get that spazzy white belt, because guess what? In a self-defense scenario, that's as close as you get to an untrained attacker, right? So if you practice on controlling them, not smashing them, controlling them and, you know, getting a good position, it's really good practice in that self-defense situation. And then once you get them under control, tell them, Hey, 
breathe. And guess what? It might take four or five, or in my case, like 72 times to tell them to stop spazzing out, you know, Mm -hmm. stop, you know, you don't have to do it. You can get a couple moves in each position and it'll come, it'll come, you know, but, but just to, just to make sure and facilitate that learning, right? Because if you, if, what happens if you smash somebody? Well, they're probably not going to enjoy it that much. And jujitsu should be fun. And it should really be fun whenever you're first learning. Sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. That's just the case. But, but if you do it right, it can still be fun. And they can see that control. And it can make them want to learn more. Yeah. You know, whereas the other way, if you're smashing, that doesn't necessarily make them want to learn more. Right. And that goes back to the, the it's not fun to roll one position for five minutes. I mean, I think everybody should know pressure exists, you know, and but it doesn't necessarily need to be. That's not the entirety. That's not the point of what you're trying to do. Right. Um. I had a thought and lost it in your sentence there. So no, that's okay. And, and, and then, and I'm glad you brought up that, that pressure point. Cause the other day, you know, uh, Travis said he wants to, mm-hmm. to, to compete. And I was like, yeah. And so whenever we were rolling the other day, you know, I, I gave him, I gave him the good pressure, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that I don't, I wouldn't do that to a white belt quite generally, but whenever he wants to compete, he's going to have to know, that type of stuff. And I told him, I said, I'm going to give you a little pressure here. And, and so I think it's good to see that, to know that, that different levels of pressure exist, but I just don't think that's the right thing for the spazzy white belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, you know, you're going to, I don't think everybody's going to react positively to that. I'm sure there's a couple people who are like, Oh yeah, I got smashed in the floor. Sometimes like the worse the move is, the more I'm interested in it. Like those like split pressure passes mm-hmm. where like Wilfredo or Charlie or John do it. And I'm like, <sighs> it's that's so miserable. Please show me how you did that. Cause I would love to do that to somebody else. <laughs> but like, right. But applied reasonably, um, which I think if most people kind of get a good grasp on it. Um, but I think a lot of people would be turned off by, you know, their first reaction is, is to be panicked because they're not used to this situation. And I think if your responsibility is somebody who's more experienced and trying to help them grow into it should be more communication. Like not, you can't get mad for somebody to react the way that they're supposed to react. Mm -hmm. Like this is what's supposed to happen is, is, like that's why you come in to learn because you don't know. You're not supposed to know. You're supposed to suck. You have no idea what you're supposed right. to do. You're going to come and learn this and then you're going to try it. You're going to fail miserably for a while. Sure. And then you'll figure some stuff out for years. So if you get mad or offended that they're especially like I used to struggle with this with bigger people. It'd be like, "Oh, they just throw me off. They don't know anything." Well, it doesn't change anything. It's right. my job and my responsibility to figure out how do you deal with bigger people? Mm-hmm. Every time I ask a question, somebody seems to have an answer. It's right. my responsibility to apply those answers, right. you know, but it can be frustrating. Um, so I definitely understand that. Um, and the thought I lost was like, I was a blue belt when I decided like, I need to figure out how to get on top and you were making fun of me for a while. You're like, you're really 
fucking spazzy on top. Like, you know, and it goes back to, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I'm like freaking out all the time. And I'm just like, but they say, it, John says it all the time. He's like, you can't just grab on, you know, you like, were like I'm not a gonna, squirrel in traffic. Just, yeah. I mean, you, you ever see like they darting back yeah. and forth. They don't know where to go. So That's exactly like, what you look like. So at, at blue belt, I've been doing this stuff for over a year at this point. You would think I have a good idea, but I was never on top. Right. So I just, I spaz in a, in a different way and I'm trying to like hold on and pin people down. And you can imagine how that went. Awful. <laughs> yeah. You have to no, learn, I was there. you have to learn how to react around people. And again, it's like the same thing with everything else you take what they give you. There's not many moves where like, and this is where you just force it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. no. but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, I get it though. Cause that, that is, I mean, that was some of the most irritating stuff was when it's like, I have these ideas of these techniques that I've been practicing for a long time. Mm-hmm. It felt like at, at a year, I mean, it's the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. and none of them work because somebody bigger is just pushing me off, but there's just steps to it that you just have to figure out. Um, yeah. But the thing about that, that I like in your adjustments on that is that whenever you did, did that, it opened up a new position for you. And that was, um, taking the back mm-hmm. and knee on belly mm-hmm. two positions that you weren't familiar with. And no. it was, it was, it was a real pivotal moment. I think for in both, for both of us, cause then we started working on the back stuff, which we're still mm-hmm. working on and man, and, and it's such an important position and, you know, to be able to, to be given that just by that method, I, I think that that's a real gift, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, and it's like, it's hard to explain because then I'm trying to like even pass that to the kids a little bit where it's like, you you want to stay low in the mount and, and you want to stay heavy, but there's going to just be people that you can't hold down, but that's also good because mm-hmm. they're going to, they're going to gift you a better position. Mm-hmm. You just have to be ready to take it Yeah, and give them a little space and then take it all away. But yep. it's it's so hard to see that, especially when you first, like when I was first, I would, st- I'd be like, hey, can I start on top? I didn't even have to earn it. And <laughs> I just start on top. And then I would hold on to my, like, I've never seen those Lord of the Rings movies, but like I have seen the precious memes. Like that's how I try to hold on on top. <laughs> like, you know, so again, and then when I did earn it every once in a while, then it was doubly frustrating. But yeah, I mean, it, it, going back to the spazzy thing of people, it doesn't take any training necessarily for somebody to walk in, be 220 pounds and be able to throw me off. Like it, it wasn't hard because I was as stiff as a board, you know? Yeah. And Ryan helped me a lot with the, I think the first thing he did was explaining the the shoulder idea, which is a swim that we teach kids, you yep. know, and everybody else, sure. but just not being stiff as a board. He's like, if you're going to lift weights and the weights were moving and floppy, it'd be much harder. And that was kind of a clicking moment in my head to what let everything else down. But I mean, I, I understand the frustration though, when you are trying super hard to learn this stuff mm-hmm. and you are trying to apply techniques with reason. And it seems like somebody can just come in and just blow that all away. But again, it, it just goes back to if you teach them why that's not a good idea, I, I do remember I used to tell people like, you can push me off. I promise you it's a bad idea. I can't make you pay for it. But like, if you try to push Ryan off, for example, 
it's going to end super poorly for you. Very badly. So this is, you don't want to practice this. It's a training scar, right? But unfortunately, I can't make you pay for it. It's going to work almost every time against me. But if you go do it against somebody bigger, somebody better, it's going to blow up in your face. So you may want to practice technical escapes. for the UPA. Yeah. You know? So I do remember saying that to people, but it's hard when they don't, they just, they haven't spent enough time to learn uh, and, and to apply them. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. I mean, they're, they're getting positive reinforcement, i.e. getting out of the position, success, right. You know, without applying the technique, Mm -hmm. you know, that, and that's, that's never a good thing, but, but you know, you, but it still comes back to communication and it also comes back on me to, I just need to get better. And that has gotten better. I still get thrown off, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder for people to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you get their back or you go into S mount or you do something different now than just getting thrown off. But you know, it's, that's the reaction people are supposed to have. I think it's silly. You see it like four times a week about those posts about complaining about people. And it's like, you're essentially complaining about the people who are going to help you get better in like six months. You just have to teach them. They're supposed Mm -hmm. to suck. Mm -hmm. And, and you know what? Maybe it's a little bit of ego creeping in there. Oh, it's hundred percent. That's, that's why I'm saying, I understand where it's coming from because I used to complain about the same thing all the time because it's, I, I'm trying to do what I believe I'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. No, good point. I just, you know, just folks, if if you're, you know, if you're an upper belt or, or even, you know, a higher white belt that's been around a little longer, you, you just explain that's, that's easy. And don't, you know, don't explain out of frustration because there's no reason to be frustrated by it. just explain, Hey man, you know, you, you can calm down, breathe, you know, whatever, do exactly what you did say i can't make you pay for it but somebody else will at some point in time you know just it's just explain to them because you made a great point in six months they're going to be a great training partner but guess what if you smash them they might not be here in six months you know right. so um moving on this question might three for a loop phil i'm just preparing you pause it So the question is, when is it the right time to start practicing all the moves on both sides? I have no idea. Me either. That's why I was was hoping you had something for us. Yeah. So we were talking earlier and I started doing the elbow escape with my right leg out first versus the left, which is just typically how I've always done it. Um, And I'm doing that because if I'm going to escape against somebody who's better, I'm always going to escape with my left leg. But there are a lot of times, most times when somebody's better and I can't escape. So I'm hoping, you know, Hey, maybe if I can threaten both sides, it'll help me. You know, I think, I don't necessarily think there's like a limit to how good you can get at one move, but I think learning on the other side, having like a kind of weak threat over here makes my, semi-reasonable threat on this side stronger um can't hurt so i'm already stuck that was kind of my thoughts Mm -hmm. um i think james had always said drill everything both sides yes there are there are a lot of times i start to move to the other side halfway through and i got to think a lot Mm -hmm. um i've always been more of the mind that i'd rather um 
just suck pretty bad one way versus suck real bad at both sides. Mm-hmm. So I've drilled everything to learn on one side, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I did it with the elbow escape cause I was comfortable. Um, I tried to do it with the scissor sweep in the same class, mm-hmm. but I'm not successful with the scissor sweep, you know? And I tried it to the other side and it felt kind of bad. So I was like, I'll just keep working on the side I've been working on. And maybe if I have, maybe once I have some more success with it, um, I hit it sometimes now when I used to never hit it. So maybe as success grows and confidence grows with that one side, adding in the other side will probably help me learn how to do it on my good side better. But it'll, you know, I think that would be when I would do it is when I was confident I could do it one way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember James saying that. That probably is great advice. But but for for me, I've just recently started doing it because, you know, in in uh specifically in the fundamentals. Right. Right. Because um and it was funny because I was paired up with Kelly and he was drilling a new white belt. Uh, and he was drilling it both ways. I notice a lot I notice a lot of people do it and then yeah. I think they'll notice I don't do it. Yeah. And they'll be like, do you want to do it the other way? And I usually say, no, I just, I just yeah. work one side, but I don't, I don't care if you do it both ways because sometimes you got to figure out which side you want to do it on, you know? Yeah, no, no. And I, I think, I think that, uh, now I, I'm making a conscious effort, especially in the fundamentals. I'm not, I'm not going to do it in the advanced class. Right. I mean, those are positions that we're trying to hone in on and techniques and concepts that, that are more advanced than what the fundamentals are. Mm -hmm. And so, so, um, you know, having that flower sweep to both sides is going to be really good. Having the scissor sweep to both sides is going to be really good and it could throw people off. And what I've found out is there really is a benefit to being left-handed in Mm jujitsu because you're taught everything as a right-hander. Yeah. And then it's not, for me, it doesn't seem as awkward to go the other direction. Yeah, re- relearning on the stronger side. Yeah, yeah. And, and John said, "I can't even. I can't remember what technique it was that we were doing, but he pointed out, well, it, it's going to be this way if you're left-handed. Uh, you know, so you're going to put the right hand or whatever, whatever the technique was. And it was so funny because I'd been doing that move right-handed all along, how it was shown, and then whenever I did it left-handed. I was better at the move, probably move I've seen and done in class, maybe a hundred times immediately. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, I think there's a, um, I think there's a real benefit to being left-handed and, and, you know, they say you're strong and you're stronger side. Well, I I don't really have that, but (laughs) a weak and a less weak side, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, I think that that if you're out there and you are left-handed, maybe maybe whenever you're starting out, maybe you do take James Klingerman's advice and say do it from the very beginning and probably what I should have done. But it's just now kind of making sense and and it it feels better. Not that and I try to incorporate that in roles as well. Um but it is tougher. It is tougher. What is tougher? to incorporate the, the weak side, uh, movements in, into your yeah. rolling, yeah. you know, because, because you think about it when you're, you're looking at it at a different setup, 
each and every time, right? Mm. Because you're usually doing something reacting to some. some I would say the triangle is the only. I think you asked me earlier what move I could do both ways. Yeah. Because I couldn't like scissor sweep was hard. I think the triangle is the only thing. Because I, I don't. Agree. There's yeah. a lot of times I don't choose which way that happens. Same here. So that would probably be the only thing I'd comfortable with that or the collar chokes. But then I've had I've had people during drilling stuff ask you left handed, but I'll try to choke with both hands about equally because my back control being weak, like typically the way that the choke would go is somebody starts their escape and I just reverse my hand grips. So Mm -hmm. I started choking left-handed a lot because when my strong hand was over and I had poor control, they would be forcing their shoulders to the floor. Mm -hmm. So instead of resetting the position like somebody good would do, I just reset my (laughs) hands. I'm like, I'm already on the choking side. Choke hack. Yeah. Spoiler, people still get out all the time. I should just control it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But no, I think that's interesting. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to come down to what's comfortable and what comes up. Because I know some people like to pass differently to each side. Like I know in that video, they said Marcelo did um, outside passing one way and pressure passing the other side mm-hmm. and then ties them in together. So maybe you'll see in roles opportunity to do a move to the other side that you've never seen before because you had never drilled it before. And that is going to kind of open a few doors to sweeps and submissions that you weren't previously getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and again, it's, a, it's, uh, it's, uh, it is a focus for me now to, to do that both sides. I think, I think it is important. And even if I don't, you know, ever hit something to the, to the opposite side, then at least I know it the other way you know mm-hmm. and and you see it too like even when john's teaching he'll change sides to do it i'm like yeah he's like oh just turn around i'll just do it this way so you guys can see the other side i'm like oh man that's crazy man, i wish i could do that yeah. um <laughs> but uh no so so phil what is your move of the month of the week what are you working on now rear naked choke guillotines loop chokes mm-hmm. using that to sweep Passing? Not so much. I've been sitting on my butt a lot. Okay. How's that going? What 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 have you found out by doing that? Trying to make grips. Grips are hard. I feel like there's no right answer for it. I feel like I've asked that question a bunch of times. And I think that's just something you learn with experience. I think there's too many different levels to the answer. For the gripping? Yeah. Well... I mean, in the, the um, I think it was Zen Jiu-Jitsu, you know, they list the hierarchy and it's grips first, position, then submission or defense. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's a lot of different levels, I think, to the grip question. Because every time you get, like, submitted, they seem to chase the whole situation back 14 steps. And then it always comes back to, like, a grip that happened 10 seconds ago um, or 10 steps or whatever. Um, yeah. So like I got, I lost to the loop choke and I was, you know, first thing is, was I, my posture or whatever. And then Steve said, all right, so I lost in competition to a person with a loop choke, but the same situation had happened six months previous in a seminar after a seminar, and I get the opportunity to roll with uh, Steve Hall uh, for a few minutes, and he did that to me 
probably two times or something like that. And I was like, is that my posture? That's my head being down. And he says, yes, but the real problem is you're not addressing the grip. But the problem for me is that the grip is kind of low. So I don't find it a threat and I'm okay with it. I can work around that. I can still, I still feel like I can pass with you having that grip. That doesn't seem, that's not near my neck and it's not stopping me from the motion I'm trying to do at the moment. So I'm fine with it, you know, which is wrong, but that's just how my brain process works. Cause I can't see this threat that's five steps down the road. Mm -hmm. So the grip is, I don't know. I, that's what I mean. I think when I'm trying to say that the grips are super important, how you grip and where you grip and like every once in a while, like John will say something like if they have this grip, it should send off alarm bells in your head mm -hmm. that that's a problem. Then it comes back to the welding issue where I can't get it off, but I know it's a problem, mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's just that, that learning at different times, which grip is important. And recently I've struggled with open guard stuff a lot. Um, and like specifically with people just kind of walking around, like they're stalking prey and I'm just kind of spinning on my butt in a circle. Like, like when I want to pass open guard, I kind of go into, um, the position I like to go into, like the kind of like the bent knee stance with my, my knee turned out with usually typically a collar, collar grip and, and work into like a knee cut or something. And People aren't doing that to me. They're just kind of like walking around the outside, changing directions like a lion, and then diving in past my guard already. Mm -hmm. And so that's been happening for a while. And then just the other night, I finally just, after watching another Marcelo video when he kind of talks about this idea, I would either scoot back and make him walk towards me and then kind of scoot in and grab something. Right. Nothing real specific, but just something so they can't sprint around the side. Mm -hmm. And that's just the latest um, I guess mind blowing detail when I couldn't think of one before, I guess that would be it Yeah. of just me. And I can remember John saying this to me early on when he'd be like, make a grip. And I'm like, what grip? It doesn't just do grab does one. Not matter. Just make a grip. Literally Don't let matter. the person just hold you and yeah. you do nothing, which is my, for whatever reason, my first reaction a lot of times is, all right, let's see what happens. <laughs> I'll address this after I know what might happen, but I have to learn everything the super hard way. <laughs> you're like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. A lot of times it's like you're in my head. It's like, you're supposed to step in and try to pass. Yeah. Why are you running around and passing that way? That's cheating, you know? Yeah. But that's just how it works. Yeah. No. And, and two, you know, because whenever they have that distance, you have to close that distance so that they can't pass. They keep, they're creating that distance to pass. And, you know, whether you do it by a sleeve grip or a collar grip or whether you do it by taking your feet out and hooking their feet to pull them in to get those grips. I mean, that's, that's something that's really important, I think. Yeah. And once I was able to get a hold of people, like I can work into, I mean, I'm not good at any of them. Like I like the basic feet on the hips and controlling a sleeve for the push pull one. Um, it's pretty much the only sweep I've had any success with, but I can't get there. Like they're not just going to walk over like a zombie and bend down so I can grab their sleeves. So right. what I'm just trying to do is just grab something so that I can get in close enough to start trying to work into that position. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, shout out 
once more to Matt Crandall for his physical therapy and Blake Kaysen for his chiropractic. My injury of the pinched nerve is almost completely resolved. I've got feeling back 99% in my thumb and forefinger. So thanks to those guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, anything else today, Philly? How much time we got? Hmm? How much time we got? We got time. If you want to talk about something. Well, the funny thing I noticed, I went back to help my uncle, uh, at work. Mm -hmm. So before I was a full-time podcaster once a week, (laughs) I worked, (laughs) I worked on, uh, motorcycles and specifically like the trike conversions for the older people. So remove the rear suspension, put the two wheels on the back and Mm -hmm. they don't fall over anymore. And, uh, did that for people of my advanced age. Yes, that's right. Gotcha. Um, motorcycles are crazy to me, but people love them. Uh, so I did that for like 10 years. I went back recently cause they've been really busy because shout out to myself. I've been doing a lot of their advertising and they're super busy. Um, so You're I went back to try to help get some work done as they're looking to hire more help. It's really hard to find people who are good at stuff and want to work. So you reach out to us if you're a motorcycle mechanic. Uh, thanks. We'll get yeah, you a job. Uh, <laughs> so um, I went back though, and I just started doing uh, some of the stuff, specifically like as the bike was almost done, they put these uh, running boards they call along the bottom of the bike, and they're all they're all painted and stuff. And I just like I said, I basically did the whole accessory installation of the whole running boards and everything like that. I never did that in the ten years I worked there. Like I would do parts of it. Like I'd get all the bracketry set up and things like that. And then I would have, you know, Uvi or Kenton or whatever, come over, drill all the holes. And then I would come in because I never wanted to fuck up. I never wanted to make a mistake. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't ruin it because I know it's a $25,000 machine. You know, it takes a lot of their hard work to paint that stuff. The paint's expensive and whatever. Looking back on it, super frustrating because it's like, even if you make the mistake, you're going to learn from it and get better at it. And the amount of pressure it takes off of everybody else when you can learn and step up and help, just a lot more things would have got done, you know? Yeah. But I spent a lot of my time there, like terrified of making a mistake like that. Never wanted to screw anything up. And it's just funny that going back after an extended time in jujitsu where the only way to learn is to fuck things up and screw it up and make the mistakes. You have to make the mistakes so you don't get it. And I've been telling people that for like two years now that come in, I'm like, no, you're supposed to do it wrong. Like you just got to play with it, mess it up. People mm-hmm. are telling me that I tell them that. And a conversation I've had a lot with people is recently because of what Steve said to me after I lost the competition once Steve was like, you know, you tried four moves and did them with no confidence. He's any of those probably would have worked if you had the confidence and did the move, like you know how to do it. And I'm telling people that now where it's like they're moving around and they kind of stop and they look at me. And that's something I do a lot also. Sure. And I definitely used to do all the time mm-hmm. was basically like, am I doing the right thing right now? Mm-hmm. There's not always a right thing. You just, you just do it. And I told somebody recently, it's like, if you just do the move with confidence, there's a good chance it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But if you half-ass it and quit halfway through, that never works. Mm-hmm. I promise you. I've done that a lot. that one never ever works don't do that just the wrong move with confidence is going to be better than the right move and you quit halfway through because you're not sure yeah um so again just is a funny how jujitsu has just helped again in another area improve like i'm no mechanic like that stuff is still 
very frustrating to me. I feel like my patience level has gone up a lot since that, since from, from working there, but just the, the willingness to try to learn, to try to make a mistake. And it's like not the end of the world if you do, but again, I have an easy time in jujitsu making mistakes because it's, you know, fun or whatever, but I would never have done that before. So it was, I talked about it with uh, my uncle afterwards and he's like, yeah, no, I know. He's like, I, he's like, it's like a different person walked in here to, to work on that stuff. Jiu-Jitsu helps so much with every aspect of life. You know, you've seen it. Life is Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu is life. And it is really true. The lessons that you take on the mat can be just as easily taken off the mat. And, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it so many hundreds, maybe thousands of times in just relationships and work and in all aspects of life. And uh, so that's why we're doing it, man. That's why we're doing it, to be a better, you know, you hear it, be a better version of yourself. That's that's why we do this. So, no, good story. And also, I want to comment on that, you know, when, when Steve said to do the move. I mean, Charlie said that with, the, I remember it's, it's it really stuck with me. It was maybe eight months ago or something when we were doing that rear bear hug defense and you fake to one side and go to the other side. You said that Thursday. Did Whatever he say, you're about to say, I promise you, you just said it again Thursday. But I'm sure. I'm sure he yeah. did. I wasn't there Thursday, yeah. but uh, I'm sure he did because it's a great detail because, you know, you, you kind of fake you fake doing the move. It's not really faking it because guess what? If you go to that side and they don't follow you, Mm -hmm. then you do the move to that side. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but they follow you go back. It sets up the move to the other side. It's the exact same thing, man. I mean, that's, it's so important to commit to commit to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and stupidly that's, that helps me because I've, got self-confidence sometimes very unfounded um but like i'm confident that everything's gonna work and mm-hmm. no i know really, yeah no i'm the opposite it I, really I, doesn't i literally i'll go through the bullet points in my head of the five things i can the five reasons i can find why this won't work and that's very helpful sometimes but it's not a good way to like do everything because you just overthink a lot of things and i think that's why i was real slow to pick up a lot of stuff inspiring because I wouldn't want to try things, you know, and busting through and and then having success in certain areas kind of breeds confidence in different areas and things like that. But it it was just funny to me because I've had this conversation two or three times in the last like probably three months with different people. The same one that Steve had told me that it took a long time for that to sink in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I probably still don't have it everywhere that I need. I know I don't have it everywhere I need it, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's improving. So then it, it's just, you know, to do something totally unrelated that I used to do all the time, have a different mindset and outlook on it from the jump. And then just relate it to what I've been told and what I'm telling other people. Cause I just, I mean, I don't stop thinking about jujitsu at any point. So everything I right. do is immediately related back to that. There's no other comparison point. It's how sure. does this apply to jujitsu? How does jujitsu apply to this? Um, so it was just, it was just really cool to see, uh, again, one of those things that are like the mind blowing frustrating moment looking back and it's like, why didn't, why didn't I just do it? You know, but I don't know. You don't know. That's why we keep doing this. Um, Philly, tell the folks out there if they so choose to do so, how they can support us. 
like us on Instagram. We post almost every time I train. I forget many times. Sometimes I take a picture in the parking lot. Yeah, happens. Sometimes I take a picture of the washing machine because I'm real late when I remember. <laughs> that might become a common picture because there's a lot of times I'm at the house and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Shout out to Patrick with the memes again. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, we got the, you know, oh, we have rash, packers, guards rash guards, yeah. t-shirts. Rash, guards. rash guards, the best thing. Rash guards, so good. It's the best one. I love those. They're very comfortable. Kind of put everything else out of, just get a rash guard. Yeah. yeah. Or, is it, or the sweatshirt. The sweatshirts are nice. Dude, the shirts are also really comfortable. The next I know, level but shirts. everybody's got a million shirts. So what? The, you don't I mean, have enough cool rash guards. It's a cool freaking shirt. Eh, rash guards better. Rash guard is better. Um, I'm too honest. <laughs> Uh, and folks, if you're not out there trying to do something to make yourself better each and every day, get out there and do it. Phil and I choose jujitsu. We hope you do too. I'm about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hyped right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll.